Well, it's another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast on this Saturday night as uh, we make our way back from Champaign across the state line with a quick stop at uh, Beef House. I could say that. Maybe they could be a sponsor. And now I have to travel the rest of the way home with the smell of the rolls in my truck. Just a little dinner. Uh, Enjoyed it. Uh, but back on the road now is try to make it home and no no showers compared to when uh, I drove over this morning. Purdue victorious in Champaign to keep its hopes alive of winning the Big Ten West or at least sharing the title with the Big Ten West. That's probably where it's headed. Um, it's I think it's going to be unlikely that one team finishes in the top spot, but not out of the question. And and if there is one team that finishes in the top spot, it's probably going to be Purdue uh, based on the rest of the games. But as it stands right now on Saturday night, uh, Purdue is 4-3, and three, Illinois is 4-3, and three, Iowa is 4-3, and three, and Minnesota is 4-3. and three. Wisconsin after losing to Iowa, drops to three and four, and they're they're basically out of it unless the other teams get the four losses. And now, now Illinois will probably end up with four losses because they're playing Michigan next week, and Michigan will be a heavy favorite. Uh, Purdue would have to lose one of its last two games to Northwestern or Indiana, and they're going to be heavy favorites in both games. And then Iowa and Minnesota, one team will have four losses, but then the other one would have to go out and lose uh, the next game. The key game in this whole thing, is, from a Purdue standpoint, is A, they got to beat Northwestern and they got to beat Indiana. The other key game is Iowa and Minnesota. Because Iowa beat Wisconsin, uh, and Iowa holds a tiebreaker over Purdue. Um, if if you want to win the West by yourself, as Purdue if Purdue wants to win the West alone and represent the West in the Big Ten championship game, then Purdue has to win out, and Iowa needs to lose one of its last two games. The best chance for that is next week at Minnesota. So that's that's the scenario right now for Purdue. You know, they could tie for the Big Ten West lead with Iowa, but not go to the championship game. And, and maybe that wouldn't be a bad thing at the end of the day because of who you, who you would play from the East. And it's going to be hard for any team to keep up with Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. It's just, that's the facts of the deal. We saw Ohio State blow out Iowa uh, earlier this year. Um, you know, Michigan's going to play Illinois, so we'll have a gauge there. Uh, so, and, and Michigan beat Iowa earlier this year uh, in Iowa City. Didn't cream them like Ohio State did, but still won the game handily. So that's the deal after... Saturday's action uh, between uh, what's going to happen in the Big Ten West. And as I said, 
if you're Purdue fans, you root for, um, and if you're not a Purdue fan, you're listening to this, I don't know why you are. Uh, and not that I, this is a, uh, a fan podcast, it's just, it appeals to Purdue people, I think. So, you know, Purdue fans will be rooting for Minnesota along with their own team to win on Saturday. And if Iowa would happen to beat Minnesota, then they would play Nebraska on the Friday uh, after Thanksgiving. So Purdue would know its situation going into the IU game on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, assuming that they beat Northwestern. So, I mean, the, it's the, the scenarios are pretty simple from Purdue standpoint. Uh, it would get complicated if Illinois beats Michigan. Um and some upsets would happen. But I think that's the only one that could complicate things because then you're looking at a uh, multiple team, like more than two team tie. And I have not uh, dug into the tiebreakers to see how that would work. I know how it works in basketball. Uh, I would imagine it would be some sort of your record against the other two teams in the um, who, you're, who you're tied with uh, and then go from there but anyway that's what's happened and Purdue is in this position because it beat Illinois on Saturday and um, and played you know they, they needed to play a clean game you know O'Connell had an interception early uh, they had some penalties that we hadn't seen since the Syracuse game and I I, you know, I, I thought this was headed toward that situation again where it was going to come unraveled, and they were going to, you know, lose another game because of their lack of composure and things like that. But to their credit, they they got through that, and this was a very intense game, a very chippy game. It had nothing to do with the rivalry. It's just people committing dumb penalties, to be honest. I mean, the unsportsmanlike penalties were just silly. You know, they would come after a touchdown where you would taunt or you would say something. Um, I mean, you just you, you have to be better. And you would you would think that Purdue learned its lesson from the Syracuse game, but you know, it, it clearly has not. And this was headed that way that it was going to cost them. Now, Illinois didn't have the quote dumb penalties, even though they. Uh, they had a late hit on O'Connell. They just had five pass interference penalties that were called. Uh, now, the one before the Charlie Jones touchdown, I'm not sure that was a pass interference. Uh, so, and there were there were some that were not called. Uh, but they had five, and that, that played a role in uh, in what happened uh, in this game. Uh, the, the officials got flag happy. Um... But I also think the officials lost, you know, when officials kind of don't call stuff to, to keep it from happening again, it is when things kind of snowball. And they didn't call a late hit on Illinois when, you know, uh, two or three Illinois guys threw Devin Mockabee well into the sideline after he had already crossed the, the white of the sideline. And they didn't call that. And that kind of created, well, you know, we can get away with that. We can get away with something else. And things just kind of escalated from there. And 
it was a very physical game. It was, um, as I said, a very chippy game. A lot of talking going on, and you know, I, I don't think I don't think this officiating crew had the the proper control over this game from the onset, and that's and that's where you're at. Now that doesn't take that doesn't excuse what happened from the Purdue standpoint as far as the unsportsmanlike penalties uh, were concerned. I mean, you just you can't do that. I mean, you just can't do that. Heat of the moment, I get it, but you just can't do it. You got to you got to be smarter. You got to be better about yourself. And Purdue was not today, and it didn't it didn't cost them like it cost them at Syracuse, but it could have. And if you don't clean that up going into next week and the week after, then you could find yourself on the short end of uh, of a game that you're supposed to win, and Purdue is supposed to win the next two games. Uh, so, you know that's. You know, they have to clean that up, but that also starts with, uh, you know, the coaching staff as well. You know, you can't you can't tolerate those things. Now, like, for example, if, if, if someone in the secondary gets one of those penalties, uh, who are you going to replace them with? I mean, they don't have a lot of options in the secondary. And I'm just using that as an example, where if, if a position... If a player at a position that has more depth, you you can take them out of the game and you cost them playing time. Where in the secondary, you just don't have any options. And not that the guys in the secondary were doing all this, but my point is that you just you know the option there is to get somebody off the field and cut into their playing time if they don't clean their act up. And you can't do that in the sec in secondary because you just don't have any other people. To, to put in there. Um, so, but, you know, the coaching staff's got to get a better handle on it. Uh, you know, stop trying to stop it before it happens. Uh, but it was a very intense game. And, you know, they had a little scuffle at halftime, coming out of halftime. Um, and I don't I don't think a lot of Illinois players shook hands with Purdue. I think they just headed straight to the locker room. That may be something they normally do. So I'm not going to sit there and point fingers at him for that. There were some that went over and shook hands and uh, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Purdue players did as well. But um, a lot of Illinois players just headed straight uh, for the locker room. Uh, And, again, they may do that every game. And I'm not going to make a huge deal out of it. But I, I do know the Big Ten commissioner was there today. I don't know if he noticed it. Uh, but, you know, there's there's a certain decorum that the Big Ten wants to show, and I'll be curious if something like that is, is addressed or has been addressed before. Now, regarding the game, you know, Purdue once again gave up an opening drive touchdown, which they've done throughout this season. In some games, they've come back. They've rebounded. In other games, they've, you know, let it just multiply. Uh, but in this game, they were able to come back. Uh, get it tied, uh, and then, you know, they scored on three straight possessions from the end of the first half through uh, late in the third quarter um, to, you know, they played from ahead today. Although they were behind early, they were able to to, to tie the game and then get the 14-7 to lead and forced Illinois to play from behind most of the game. And that's that was a key for Purdue. It has been a key all year. Uh, they just... You know they fell behind Wisconsin, they fell behind Iowa, uh, and they couldn't they couldn't recover. And 
you know, they, they moved the ball really well without scoring the first couple drives. I think they, um, I think their first two drives or first three drives had eight first downs, 113 yards with no points. Uh, Brom didn't go for a field goal on the first drive against the win, tried a field goal on the second drive, and it, uh, Mitchell Finner and missed. Uh, and either way, you know, you can, Going in into that direction, you needed to go for it on fourth down most of the time. But, you know, he, he didn't do it the first time, so he tries it the second time. It doesn't work. Um, you're just trying to get points at that at that juncture of the game. Um, so, but anyway, I mean, Purdue was able to play from ahead. They used its running game. You had Aiden O'Connell running this. I don't like calling it the speed option because there's really no speed involved. Uh, but that... That was a wrinkle that Illinois wasn't able to handle uh, because they took the pitch man on the on the option and it left Aid O'Connell an opportunity to, to to run. I mean, it was two times, um, 33 yards, 16 and a half yards of carry, and both in both situations that came on touchdown drive. So it was an effective uh, play that Purdue was able to run get yards out of uh, and help help their running game and I, I, I did feel like Purdue was more committed to running the ball today compared to last week now last week they were behind you got behind 17 nothing so you, you can't sit there and run it and and hope that you're going to catch up so but I, I did feel like they were they were more more committed to doing it Saturday, uh, as opposed to last week, and then when they got in the red zone and they got inside the ten, they got inside the five. They they ran the ball. Uh, Mockaby scored on a six-yard run um, inside the red zone, and uh, so you know things that didn't happen last week happened today, and it doesn't mean it, they would have scored last week. It just it happened today, and again, I just felt like they were a little bit more committed to it. Purdue was pretty balanced uh, as far as yards uh, and plays go with the run and the pass. And, I, you know, I thought that that worked for him. And, you know, running your quarterback a little bit, you know, helps. It's just, it gives you another option, and it gives another player that the defense has to defend. And, you know, I, I think Jeff Brom wherever he coaches right now he's coaching at Purdue but wherever he coaches I think he would like to have a more mobile quarterback a dual threat quarterback not a uh, you know not a pure runner but someone that can do both and do it effectively and Hayden just doesn't have that kind of athletic ability uh, it's unfortunate but that's that's just the way it is but he you know he he, he did he did well today and that's 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 all that matters and you know, I thought O'Connell spread the ball around a little bit more than what he has. He didn't. He still targeted Charlie Jones, but uh, Payne Durham was more involved in the offense from a passing game standpoint. Uh, T.J. Sheffield came up with some big plays. You know, the fourth down at the end of the game in the fourth quarter is Purdue's trying to to seal it. Uh, that was a big play. 
I know he targeted Marshawn Rice a few times. Uh, so I, I, I thought there was a more conscious effort of looking uh, beyond Charlie Jones to try to move the ball, and I thought I thought it worked effectively because Illinois was going to try to take away Charlie Jones. It just everybody's going to try to take away Charlie Jones. Northwestern's going to try to take away Charlie Charlie Jones. Everybody's going to try to take away Charlie Jones, just like they tried to take away David Bell. Uh, but I, I thought that was better today uh, uh, from, from a passing standpoint, and that's got to continue. I, you know, I, I always beat the drum about the tight end and Payne Durham because it's, you know, it's a weapon that I don't think has been used, not just Payne Durham, but overall in, in, in Jeff's tenure here, I just don't think the tight end has been used enough. Uh, and, yes, you have David Bell, you have Rondell Moore, you have these other talented receivers, and you're gonna you're gonna give them more opportunities than you are your tight end. But it's such a valuable weapon on in, in any offense, especially a throwing offense, that you know you've got to use that guy. Whoever that guy is, you got to use him. And I've always been a proponent of that, and that's not going to change. Uh, if it was up to me, I'd put five tight ends on the field and have a field day. But I don't get paid five million bucks to. To coach a team, I get paid very little to write about a team. So, you know, good job in the passing game by Purdue. The running game was effective. Mockaby over 100 yards. We mentioned O'Connell's 33 rushing yards. Uh, so again, a good balanced attack. Purdue did what it had to do offensively uh, to, to win this game. And again, you talked about the fourth down play to Sheffield. Big, big play. No brainer to go for it, in my opinion. I just don't. There was really no decision because you're going against the wind. You're going to line up and kick a long field goal uh, that you probably won't hit. Punting the ball does you no good. It only gains you 13 yards. You could try a pooch punt, I guess. But I thought going for it was the best option there. Um, and, and, and it worked out. It was a great throw by O'Connell, great catch by Sheffield. Allowed Purdue to drain some more time off the clock. Uh, forced Illinois to use its last timeout, and Purdue was able to get three points out of it, extend the lead to ten, and you know basically end the game uh, at that point. Even though Illinois added a field goal and tried an onside kick later, but that fourth down play basically won the game for Purdue, and uh, everything fell into place with that. And again, no brainer on the decision. You know, it's just that's that's something you had to do. You had to go for it, and if you don't, if you don't get it, they still have a uh, a 70-yard field they have to go to, or they have to, they have to, they have to do. And you know, and again, the worst thing that probably happens to you is you're tied. Uh, if Illinois was able to march down and score, similar to, to kind of what happened in the Maryland game when Purdue was trying to not score but use time and all that kind of stuff and you know the worst case scenario in that is that Maryland would have you know score a touchdown and a two-point conversion now in this case it was only seven so for example if Illinois would would have gone down and scored would they have gone try to go for two for the win or just go play for overtime uh, that's something that we will never know because it didn't happen and there's no need to address it Defensively, you know, you get past the first drive, and uh, 
the defense. You know, had three straight three and outs. Uh, they recovered from that opening drive. You know, secondary still has some issues. They had some PIs uh, in this game. Not as many as Illinois, but they had some PIs. Took away one interception from Jamari Brown. It looked like he pushed off on the guy. Uh, and DeVito just wasn't sharp today. Now, some of I mean, Purdue did bring some pressure against him. Uh, and whether that affected him later in the game, you know, you, re- you really don't know. But uh, he, he was not as sharp as his, his, the numbers say in his last three games because he, he came in completing 77% of his passes in the last three games. This guy also didn't have an interception since September 10th against Virginia. Now, he had an interception today, a tip, a huge play, huge, huge play by Lawrence Johnson who tipped the ball, and then Kieran Douglas, you know, uh, the ball fell into his hands, and he got injured on the play. He had to be helped off. Now, that's going to be an injury to watch going into uh, next week. But that was a huge play by Lawrence Johnson to get the tip and then Purdue to get the ball, and that set up the... Uh, the, the the field goal, uh, the fourth down play, and the field goal that that put Purdue up by ten. Um, so the defense just had one takeaway. Uh, they had you know, there were there were some more missed tackle issues, um, which is something that you know what, the fact that it, it keeps happening tells you it's not going to get fixed to the point where it doesn't happen again. It's just not. Uh, so th- those are some things that you, you have to leave, li- live with. You know, Chase Brown ended up with um, less than 100, not by much, I think 98 yards on the ground. Uh, so and I think that snapped a 10-game streak of reaching 100 yards. Uh, you know, Purdue, you know, Purdue did a de- decent job on him. Uh, he, you know, he had some long run. There was a long run he had that got called back after eight yards because of a, a hold down field. But he, you know, he didn't like kill, kill them in the running game. Uh, he, you know, he had a, he had a decent game, not a great game. He had a decent game, uh, but Purdue was able to kind of keep him under wraps and not let him, you know, uh, dictate everything. You know, he scored two touchdowns, but those came from uh, close range uh, in the red zone. So, you know, Purdue did a decent job, I, I think, on him. And uh, much better job than they'd done the last two games in the running department. Uh, so you got to give them credit for coming up with some plays. You know, we mentioned the secondary. There were some pass plays that guys were open. There were a few that DeVito just missed. And Purdue should feel fortunate in, in, in that regard. Uh, you know, Jack Ansel had a nice 45-yard punt into the wind that in the, early in the fourth quarter that didn't allow Illinois to get better field position. Uh, so that was a, a positive from special teams. Uh, so, you know, all in all, you know, they, they played better football than they did the week before. The, yeah, the week before played better than they did at Wisconsin. Uh, and you got to remember, Illinois was leading the nation in a lot of categories as far as points, total yards, things like that. And Purdue, you know, I think Purdue totaled the most yards against them this year. Um, you know, Purdue, I think, scored the second. I think they scored the most points on them. 
that anybody else has. I may, I may be wrong on that. Uh, but, you know, Purdue, Purdue, I'm not going to say Purdue had its way with the number one defense in the, in the nation, but it had a lot of success against them. Uh, you know, not, it wasn't a 600 yard type of game, but it was, you know, close, you know, close to 400, you know, less than 400, but, you know, Purdue had, I, I would say that Purdue had a very efficient game for the most part against Illinois, against a defense that has been lights out most of the year, and, you know, and that's, that's a good thing heading into the last two games, because uh, you need the offense to be, you know, operating at a higher level, and now that you're going to be playing lesser teams, then you really need to take advantage of those things. And we, you know, don't know what the weather's going to be like next next week or the week after that. Um, so it's good to get the running game going from from that standpoint. Uh, so all in all, I mean, it's a win. In November, you take wins anytime you can get them. Uh, but this win put Purdue back into the race. You know, they don't control their own path. You know, as we mentioned at the beginning, they need some help. They'll need some help from Minnesota to beat Iowa, assuming Purdue can uh, take care of uh, Northwestern. Um, you know, if Purdue wins. If Purdue wins its last two, you know, it will do no worse than tie for the Big Ten West title. So, in a way, they have they have some of the control back. Now, they don't have full control as far as getting to the conference championship game. They need help in that regard. Uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of the situation right now. You know, Purdue is, Purdue is back to controlling uh, whether, you know, it can win the division title, it can tie for the division title but it would need help to be in the conference championship game. So, you know, you can, yeah, I mean, uh, as I mentioned earlier, do you really want to be in the championship game? Uh, you know, Purdue, could, Purdue should finish 8-4 and four in a regular season. And it's, you know, and if you go to a bowl game, you would match... And if you won that bowl game, you would match last year's total. You know, I I, I think back-to-back nine-win seasons for this program, or a nine-win season and then an eight-win season, that's, you know, how many times has that happened? <laughs> you know, I don't, that's probably not happened a lot. You know, I, I know that people haven't liked the path to get to this point, but that's why you add them up at the end of the year and see where you stand and you determine you know, whether you were successful or not. Uh, so we'll see how this all plays out. And, you know, Purdue is, you know, based on one game here, they're, they're kind of back on track. Um, and, they, you know, they, now they got a chance to really finish strong. And, you know, whether they get to the championship game or not probably is a little bit irrelevant. Uh, but if you can get a piece of the Big Ten West title, you know, that's that's kind of what it's all about. Alrighty, well, um, 
that's going to wrap up this edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast. Uh, back on Tuesday night after Purdue Basketball plays Marquette, we'll get a better reading on where the, the Boilermakers are against a, a Big East program. And it should be an interesting matchup. And then football next week uh, against Northwestern. Still don't know a game time as of right now. So check jconline.com or check the uh, my Twitter feed to see what time that game will be. It'll it'll be noon or 3:30, one of those two, and um, it's just it, it's just a matter of the order of the games now, who they want where, uh, because the the major games next week regarding the Big Ten West is Northwestern Purdue, and then Minnesota Iowa. Now, Illinois and Michigan, I think they're locked into a their nooner 3.30 also, but I'm trying to remember if they're locked into a TV assignment yet. Um, I don't think that they are, but I, ABC was involved in, in that. Uh, so we'll, we'll see, but I, I think all the games next week are either noon or 3.30. I don't believe there's a night game on the on the docket for for next week so anyway check those check our website or check um, our um, check the Twitter feed to see what time next week's game will be it'll be senior day and I just always like to say this coming up on senior day just because players go through senior day doesn't mean they won't be back and still dealing with some some players with COVID years uh, so there's a chance that a player or two might go through senior day but he would um, he could come back next year so we'll see how how all that plays out all right well appreciate you stopping by Uh, thanks for listening thanks for the support Um, if you have any questions reach out be more than happy to try to answer answer those questions uh, for you. All right, Purdue a winner uh, against Illinois, uh, Northwestern next week, basketball on Tuesday. Until then, uh, have a good day.